and welcome to the 84th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer, heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. This is a single serving size episode and that is one in which it falls below my three movie minimum in order to be considered a franchise. This week we're talking about My Bloody Valentine, which we probably should have done last week since it was Valentine's Day. Well, um, better late than never. So I'm also working on a big franchise uh, for next week, and I wasn't done with that yet, so that's why I decided to do this one instead. So there are two movies total in the series. The first one is My Bloody Valentine from 1981. This is a Canadian film, and I've gone over a number of Canadian films in the past. I think I'm hitting all the major ones sooner or later, including Black Christmas, Ginger Snaps, Cube, Scanners, Prom Night, uh, etc. My Bloody Valentine was directed by George Mikalka. Story by Stephen Miller. Screenplay by John Beard. Produced by John Dunning, Andre Link, and Stephen Miller. It stars Paul Kelman as TJ, Lori Hallier as Sarah, and Neil Affleck as Axel. The second movie is known as My Bloody Valentine 3D. It's from 2009, so 28 years later. This is a remake of the first movie. It's directed and co-edited by Patrick Lassier, written by Todd Farmer and Zane Smith, from a screenplay by Stephen Smith. I'm sorry, Stephen Miller, who, who of course was a producer and the co-writer of the original film. It stars Jensen Ackles as Tom. You'll remember him probably. He's been in lots of stuff, but probably from Supernatural, one of the Winchester brothers who uh, Supernatural ran, I think, for 15 seasons. Also starring Jamie King as Sarah Palmer. She's also been in lots of stuff. Uh, most recently, I think, that I remember her from is the uh, Black Summer Netflix series, which was a spinoff from Z Nation, which I really, really liked a lot. Uh, also starring Keir Smith as Sheriff Axel Palmer, and he was in Final Destination and a bunch of other stuff, Dawson Creek, etc. And Kevin Ty as Ben Foley. He's been in tons of stuff. All the way back, I remember, to the TV show Emergency that ran in the 1970s with Randolph Mantooth. Tom Atkins also has a role in here. We talked about him when we did Prom Night. Of course, it was in Halloween 2. The Fog, which I just re-watched last night. Uh, and Creep Show, amongst other stuff. He stars as Sheriff Burke. And this movie was the first R-rated film to be projected in real... Um, I think it's called Real D Technology. Um, and it had a widescreen release with a thousand locations. Now, where to watch these movies? The first one is available on Amazon Prime for free or Pluto. The second one is on HBO or the usual Google Play or Vudu for $4 each. They are not on Netflix, Hulu, Shudder, or Tubi. Rotten Tomatoes scores the first movie from 1981 
Critics gave it a 58%. Audiences gave it a 52%. So that's pretty close. And then the second one, for some reason, I was not able to find on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty unusual. So I'm not sure if I just missed it or I can't find it. Now for the plot. As usual, I will read the IMDb uh, synopsis and then just talk a little bit about the plot. So the first My Bloody Valentine IMDb says, um, A decades-old folktale surrounding a deranged murderer killing those who celebrate Valentine's Day turns out to be true turns out to be true to legend when a group defies the killer's orders and people start to turn up dead. So in a small mining town called Valentine's Bluff, the residents are planning a Halloween party and two supervisors are anxious to attend the party, so they leave the mine without draining the lines of methane. This causes the mine to explode and a number of men to be trapped inside. When they eventually uh, find what's left of the men there's only one sole survivor and that's harry warden and it turns out that he killed the other survivors um, and ate them in order to stay alive so he's sent to a mental hospital but he returns one year later to kill the two supervisors and then fast forward it's 20 years later when the young people decide they want to have a valentine's day party despite the warnings because Harry's dead, um, and so at some point they decide to go down into the mine, and that's when bad things start to happen. Uh, meanwhile, right before that, uh, a few people are receiving Valentine's Day candy boxes that have hearts inside, and um, a woman gets killed. There's a couple of inventive kills, which we'll talk about in a second, but uh, a woman gets killed in the dryer, in um, the laundromat... One gets killed by being hung up on like a water, um, what do you call it, a uh, shower head. Um, so there's uh, those, which we'll talk about those in a second. And then I won't give away the ending of the movie. So if you want to watch it, you'll see who the uh, final girl or final guy is in the end. The second movie, My Bloody Valentine 3D from 2009, IMDb says... Tom returns to his hometown on the 10th anniversary of the Valentine's Night Massacre that claimed the lives of 22 people. Um, Tom finds himself suspected of committing the murders, and it seems like his old flame is the only one who believes he's innocent. This movie deliver, uh, differs, as I said, it's a remake. It differs from the original in a couple of ways. In the intro, we see via newspaper articles and a voiceover about what happened previously, so that's an interesting way to catch us up to speed. Um, next, we see Harry wake up from a coma in the hospital, and then he pretty much butchers everyone in the hospital, so that's a real bloodbath in the first, you know, five, ten minutes, so uh, that's a good way to get your attention. Um, instead of the two supervisors causing the deaths here, it's actually Tom, who was the son of the mine owner, and he disappeared after the events in the mine. Years later, he returns to sell the mine, because his father is now dead, and there he sees his old flame, Sarah. She's now married to uh, Axel, who's the sheriff of the town, and the town's name has been changed from Valentine's Bluff to Harmony. 
And of course, you can guess what happened after that. People start dying until we're down to the main characters. And again, I won't give away the ending because um, you can watch it and see who the killer is finally revealed at. But there's also a nice twist at the end which leaves the um, movie up for open for additional sequels. So that's basically it for the plot. Not a whole lot of plot going on. Trivia, the first movie from 1981 had a budget of $2.3 million and a box office of $5.7 million. Uh, in an interview with TerrorTrap.com, director George Michalka, M-I-H-A-L-K-A, said that the shooting location at Sydney Mines, Nova Scotia was chosen because of its ru rustic atmospheric appearance. However, when locals found out the movie was to be shot there, they decided to spend $50,000 to have the mine painted and clean. This, of course, diminished the reason that the production wanted the location to begin with, and so the movie spent $75,000 to return the mine to the original state for shooting. So, it's a lot of money for nothing. Uh, the film was shot in the authentic mines, which were often as much as 900 feet underground. Only certain lighting devices could be used in the mines because of the potential danger of methane explosions. Which that would have been really ironic if a movie that was talking about methane explosions ended up causing methane explosions in the mine. According to makeup effects artist Thomas Berman, one of his gory creations was realistic enough that the director threw up at the side of it. I'm not sure which one that is. But it best have been pretty gross. The filming location, as we said, the Sydney Mines in Nova Scotia is a small Canadian mining town. The area was um, filled with closed pit mines, bootleg mines, and underground mines, which were shutting down due to economic and environmental issues at the time filming took place since the mine used as the Hanninger Mine was actually called the Princess Colliery Mine in real life. It has since been dismantled, buried, and part of it turned into a park and museum. Producers Andre Link and John Dunning said the film's origin came about when they sought to find a holiday where a slasher film had not been seen, um, which had not been set on during the slasher flick boom of the early 1980s. They settled on Valentine's Day in order to keep the idea from being copied. They made the film's working title The Secret, though they had the release title in mind the whole time. So that's why these movies really don't have anything to do with Valentine's Day at all. It was just a marketing ploy. The folk ballad that plays over the ending credits was added by composer Paul Zaza as an afterthought. The uncredited singer who does the vocal for the ballad was Scottish-Canadian tenor John McDermott. Uh, let's see, what else? Quentin Tarantino has named My Bloody Valentine as his all-time favorite slasher film. I don't know if that's true or not because often I see these things uh, quoting Quentin Tarantino saying whatever film is his favorite film, so... I don't know. Um, they had originally wanted to release the music for um, My Bloody Valentine, including the ballad of Harry Warden, 
but they ran out of money, so they ended up not doing that. Most of the soundtrack to My Bloody Valentine was never commercially released. Nowhere in the film does it say what kind of mine the fictitious Hanninger mine is. However, the general assumption is that it's a coal mine. One of the makeup designers once shipped a dummy to the set in a coffin, which caused much alarm when it arrived at Canadian Customs. The director approached Paramount in 2001 with a synopsis for a sequel, but due to poor box office records with the original film, they declined. Most of the houses seen in the scenery of the film were company houses built by the Cape Britain Coal Mining Company for the miners to live in. As of 2015, several of them were still standing. Um, they had hoped that the filming of the movie would promote tourism in the area, but that didn't really pan out. The MPAA cut uh, more than five minutes out of the film before it came out, mostly because the film was released shortly after John Lennon's death and there was a major backlash against violent movies. The caption near the beginning of the film states Thursday, Friday the 12th, indicating that the dance will be on Saturday the 14th. This makes Friday the 13th in between. The Friday the 13th uh, movie from 1980 series was released by Paramount, and the plot of My Bloody Valentine is similar to the Friday the 13th films. And that is, there's a killer who really has no reason and just walks around killing people. Uh, in the ending credits, the song lines say, quote, and those still alive know the secret survives. This is referring to the movie's originally intended title, which we said is The Secret. Uh, the guy who played John in the movie, Rob Stein, said the sequences in the locker room showers were cumbersome because the water, which appeared hot on the film, was actually cold. Fans... Blowing steam into the scene also contributed to the cold. And also the actors um, who were in the shower scene were genuinely naked even though they were filmed from the chest up. And there is also a, I think it's Irish, Irish band who takes his name from this film, My Bloody Valentine. Star Neil Affleck said that the identity of the film's killer was kept a secret from the cast because the filmmakers liked the idea of the mystery being real among the actors. Uh, the body count here is 12 according to IMDb, 16 according to James A. Janice's uh, The Kill Count on YouTube. So you'll have to figure out which one you believe. As the director stated many times, roughly, this is nine minutes of footage instead of five minutes of footage, had been cut from My Bloody Valentine to secure an R rating instead of an X rating by the MPAA. In result, most of all the gory scenes had been cut by the MPAA because of the backlash against, as we said, Friday the 13th and the recent uh, murder of John Lennon. In 2009, a special edition of the film was released with more of the gory footage put back. The only footage missing is the on-screen impalement of Michael and Harriet. And when John discovers Sylvia's corpse, there was originally supposed to be a shot of the water coming through Sylvia uh, turning red. 
but that had deteriorated over the years. Even though still of the Sylvia scene can still be seen online with very fake-looking dummy. Despite the six minutes of footage remaining miss, missing, the director said those six minutes were actually just expository footage and uh, did not involve violent scenes. George says the 93-minute version is 80 to 85% of the way of how it was originally meant to be, despite the grainy quality of the cut footage. Originally, the deaths of Mike and Harriet, as we said, were supposed to be seen on screen. The elaborate sequence showed the miner drilling an auger into the couple as they made love. The MPAA rejected the scene outright. It was completely cut from the scene, unlike the other murder sequences, which were edited down. Now on to the second movie, My Bloody Valentine from 2009. It's 3D. The budget was $14 million, and the box office was $100.7 million, so that's a pretty good uh, return on investment. A flyer on the wall indicates that Valentine's Day is Saturday the 14th, and of course that means the previous day is Friday the 13th again. And I already said this is the first R-rated film projected in Real D technology. The film was made into a haunted house at Universal's Halloween Horror Nights. And the same town was featured in this movie as the Mothman Prophecy. Uh, I think it's a, a town, I think it's, I was trying to figure out which town it was filmed in. Someone said Pittsburgh, I'm not sure. Um, but Mothman Prophecy takes place in... Mount Pleasant, West Virginia, which is right over the Ohio line. I have been there. Uh, there was also an episode titled My Bloody Valentine on the TV series Supernatural, which stars the same lead character here that plays Tom, Jensen Ackles. Uh, his co-star, Jared Padalecki, uh, starred in the remake of Friday the 13th. So both uh, the Winchester brothers starred in remakes of horror movies. Uh, this one's a little bit long. I'll just read a little bit of it. In the 2012 interview, Betsy Rue was asked if she regretted filming the extending scene where she was running around the motel parking lot totally naked. She said, no regrets. It was amazing, and I think I would have had some regrets, but the reviews were so fun from it. The Hollywood Reporter and Variety wrote some amazing reviews, and it made me feel really good. That was the whole point of what I wanted to do. Uh, I said, okay, I'm going to be naked, so I better be good instead of just being naked. So it really is an extended scene with her just running around without any clothes on before she gets killed. Um, and here's where I was talking about where the filming took place. This says the film was shot in Pennsylvania. So I'm not sure if that scene of the small town is in Pennsylvania because it allowed the production crew to take advantage of the state's tax incentives for filmmaking. The screenwriter, Todd Farmer, also appeared in the film playing the role as Frank the Trucker. And that is who Betsy Rue was running out because he had filmed them while they were having sex. And that's why she was running out of the hotel room naked. In the bar scene, Sheriff Burke, who plays Tom Adkins, yells, Everyone stand down, goddammit. Atkins would play a simil similar character in his next feature film, Drive Angry, in 2011, where he says the exact same thing at the same time. Uh, let's see. 
let's see. Oh, uh, Jensen, Ackles, and Keir Smith both previously worked together in Dawson's Creek in 1998. And again, there's another um, little uh, write-up about Betsy Rue. Uh, her character, of course, was named Irene. Originally, they were going to have her grab a sheet and run out to the truck to try to get the film back. But that wasn't working, so she just said, hey, let's just forget it, and I'll just go out and be nude. So that's what happened. Megan Boone, um, who would go on to be on Blacklist, and Eddie Gaffigy would later co-star. Oh, oh, he was on the Blacklist, too. Sorry, I didn't watch most of the Blacklist, but she was the main character on there. The original My Bloody Valentine was one of a number of holiday theme movies made following the success of Halloween. Tom Adkins appears in Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, while Betsy Rue appears in Halloween 2 from 2009. I think that's the Rob Zombie remake. Jamie King would later star in another remake of an 80s slasher film, 2012's Silent Night, a remake of 1984's Silent Night, Deadly Night. This movie supposedly has 30 kills according to the kill count on YouTube. The first two characters killed on screen are named Jason and Michael. A homage to characters from the Friday the 13th and Halloween movies where the killers are non-speaking. A direct reference to the film is how they die. <coughs> Excuse me. So that's it for the trivia. Not a ton of it, um, but hopefully a few good things. Now, why should you watch these movies? Well, the 2009 remake manages to be one of the few remakes that actually works. Usually when there's a remake, you know, it's odds are it's going to be bad. But this one had enough going for it that I really surprisingly enjoyed it. I also enjoyed the, the first one. It's a bit dated, so it may not be for everyone's taste. Uh, there's a lot more like character development before they get down to the kills. But um, for, you know, comparable movies from that time period, I still think it's good. Um, also, you just have to throw out the window the script because it really doesn't make any sense. But like we said, neither does script from Friday the 13th or Halloween. Um, the practical effects are definitely good in the first one, especially for the time it was released. And the 3D effects I thought were fun in the second one. Yeah, they're hokey. Yeah, there's an eyeball that like sticks out. You know, all sorts of stuff. But I enjoyed it. And I really am not a terribly big fan of 3D, but I thought it was a lot of fun. I also enjoyed that the setting, for the most part, was in the mine. I think that added to the suspense of the movie. So on to recipes, it should come as no surprise that I ended up with a cocktail called My Bloody Valentine Cocktail, and it is made with blood oranges, and I will include the notes to it from honestlyyum.com, but the ingredients are um, one half ounces Amaro Nonino, one and a half ounces Carpano Antica, I may have said that wrong, one and a half ounces blood orange juice and blood orange juice garnish. So there's not 
much to this at all. Combine all the ingredients in a cocktail shaker, fill with ice, shake for 10 minutes, straight into a tumbler with cracked ice, and garnish with a blood orange heart. And that's it. Um, where to find us? We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We need all the help we can get. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fright. Contact us by email at foodandfright at gmail.com or check out our website at foodandfrighteningfilmfanatics.podbean.com. And that's it for this week. Again, a week late for Valentine's Day, but I'm working on a large franchise that I did not get done this week, so stay tuned. Uh, next time around for that. Hopefully I'll be done by then. And until then, stay safe. Um, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Bye.